0: Verge of death. Welcome to my podcast. Death Stories.
1: Death Stories. <laughs> New my favorite murder title idea.
0: The only thing I don't love about theirs is they do spend usually like the first 20 minutes just like Chatting. talking. Yeah. And Unlike days, us, we get right to business. <laughs> um, some days I'm into it and some days I'm not. And so I usually like skip the first 10 minutes and then like kind of just see, you know.
1: Yeah. Just depends on how I'm. If you're like. in a really murdery mood, you just right, if I'm really skip just, right to the good stuff. Yeah, I haven't been listening since I'm pregnant. Oh. Wait, do we have are we a recording now? Should we do the I intro assumed we were recording? Awesome. Which is why I said pregnant in such a weird voice. Amazing.
0: Welcome. To my best friends podcast. And my best friends podcast. And my baby's podcast.
1: Oh, crowd goes wild. That not not you. It was supposed to be like a general roar of Right, right. The crowd cheer. goes okay. wild. Yeah, so the crowd me. goes wild. Because you have a baby. In me. In you. I'm so happy for you.
0: I'm happy that we can finally talk about it. Because I feel like there have been so many times that I've almost mentioned it and then been like... I go to bed at seven o'clock like a normal person. Yeah, really. I feel that, yeah, hopefully this clears things up. And If anyone thought that it was a totally normal thing for me to just go to bed at eight o'clock at night, it really isn't. It is weird if you were like, why the hell?
1: Yeah, well, and that made sense to I'm me. Pregnant. As I was listening to our last episode, I had mentioned that a fitness influencer goes to bed at nine and I was like, that's unbelievable. But you go to bed at 8.30. But in my head, I was like, She's just a normal, like, person who chooses to go to bed at nine. You are pregnant, and for those at home who can't see how tired. How pregnant. (laughs) You you look very weak in a beautiful way, like a little, like a flower. Delicate. Yes. Yes, that's the word. I don't want to say, like, you look sick because you look beautiful. You look so sick. You look like you
0: are on the verge of death, just at any moment might keel over
1: and stop. But you... You get very sick during your pregnancies thus far.
0: Yes. So so anyway, which is why, which is the biggest reason why we've had like issues getting podcast episodes up on time and stuff like that has been because I am sick and recording's been hard, but we knew that going into it. We knew when we decided to do the podcast, my husband and I were already trying. And so for the readers at home, having sex, (laughs) um, (laughs) That's how you get pregnant. This is a Birds and the Bees podcast. Um, anyway, so we knew it was inevitable. I'd be sick eventually.
1: But And the time has come. But I feel like we've made it through the first we, you and I, have made it Ash through the first trimester. Ash and I have trimester. made it through the first trimester of my Seth pregnancy together. Seth is barely involved.
0: <sighs> so. Yeah, so, and now we can finally talk about it on the podcast. So if you follow me on Instagram or Twitter, you already know
1: that I'm pregnant. But if you don't, now is a good time to go do that. Honestly. and Because your pregnancy content was truly my fave. Oh, I thought it sucked last time. But that's because my whole Instagram sucked last time. So You put in like effort, like halfway through the pregnancy, you started putting in a little bit more effort. And I thought it was so cute. Thank you. Anyways. This one will be even better. So I feel like we've already covered babies. And we've already covered the really basic bare bones facts of sex. So we must be talking about Mormonism, right?
0: (laughs) That's right, folks. Today, an exclusive interview with Ash Powers, current Mormon, on My Best Friends podcast.
1: Anyways, so today we will be talking about Mormon culture just because we gave it a brief shout out in our last podcast. I've actually had multiple people message and ask us
0: to do this episode, and I've been so wary to do it. We're doing it a little bit different. We're just going to talk about the culture of Mormonism rather than... um, Doctrine or beliefs. Doctrine or beliefs or either of our specific beliefs or anything like that, just because I feel like, first of all, spirituality, which is what going to church should be about, Mm -hmm. is a personal thing. And so I think that confining yourself to a, a religion in the sense of like... Not that confining yourself to a religion is bad. Here we go. Everyone's going to be mad. <laughs> confining yourself to a religion isn't bad, but I feel like because those are personal beliefs, I just feel like there's no point in hashing them out Probably. on the air. Right. And yeah. for people to judge and whatever. Like, I think if the- you want to go to church, go to church. If you don't want to go to church, don't go to church. That's- yeah.
1: And I think declaring where you stand at any moment, like, it's so funny how we all know that people just go through their lives changing constantly. Yeah. And yet we hold them to like the standard of something they said at any point in time. Like you could say something and then have a breakthrough like two days later and people will still, and we all do it. We just hold you to that standard of what you said two weeks ago and it's, it's fine. It's not criminal, but it just, that's why we're not going to get into it.
0: Right. I mean, to be fair, airing my dirty laundry, I used to be registered as a Republican. (laughs) But it's because I didn't the know... The secrets come out. I didn't know anything about politics. And my parents are Republicans, so I was like, I guess I'm a Republican. So I registered, and then I told my husband, and he said, you registered as what? <laughs> anyway, now I'm registered Democrat.
1: But I just thought I'd get that out there in the open. It's been weighing <laughs> on me heavily. So Mormonism is... Let's just kind
0: of... Let's give a little... Yeah. I feel bad. I was talking to Seth about this in the car the other day that we... The very first few times we mentioned anything about Mormonism on Mm -hmm. the podcast, we gave like a tiny disclaimer. And now anytime we mention it, we just go through it briefly and don't say anything about, like for any listeners that have never been in the church, they're going to be like, what? Oh yeah. And it's such obscure references. I know. And I just assume that people will get it. So if that has been you in the past, I apologize we're going to try to, yeah, hopefully this will kind of be a good, and I think that's honestly one of the biggest reasons I part. want to do
1: this episode it's Yeah. Just so
0: context for anyone that has never been or never will be Mormon or honestly just grew up outside of Utah.
1: Yeah. And I also <laughs> feel like part. it's good to, for me, it was a uh, interesting realization the older I got that some of the things that I held so like as as true doctrine beliefs were just culture. And so I'm not going to compare the two or say anything is or isn't like, doesn't have doctrine backup, but it is interesting to kind of like dissect it. So for anyone who doesn't know, for somebody who has just maybe heard a couple of South Park jokes about Mormons, Mormonism is um, just a little kitschy term for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. TM. Yeah, seriously. That's actually what... We, because I am active, prefer to be called, and that's kind of a new thing. I kind of think that's a rebrand, if I'm being completely honest. Honestly, here's the thing.
0: I do It don't... kind of annoys me, but <laughs> probably just because I'm not a member anymore. Before Nelson, the guy who is currently in charge of the church, was in charge of the church, like years and years ago, he made a statement about how we shouldn't be called Mormons, and then the guy who was in charge of the church at the time, I think it was all the way back. Nah, it would have been Monson. But anyway, whoever was in charge at the time was like, no, people know us as Mormons and that's fine. And like, there's nothing wrong with it. But I think that that's just his hill that he wants to die on. So the second he became president, he was like, listen up, no more Mormons, which is fine. Like, yeah, you buddy, but I, yeah, I do think it is kind of a little bit of a personal bone that he's wanted to pick with the world and. I just think it's funny how far some people take it. They're like, "Um, we're not Mormons. I don't know what you're
1: saying. (laughs) I don't know her. (laughs) I Mormon? I don't know her. Yeah. I definitely have not super... Uh, I don't know. That one has not really been, like, integrated fully into my vocabulary. Like... And there was the whole I'm a Mormon campaign. And, like, the official press release Mormon was messages on, and... Yeah. It was on the Mormon newsroom was where they said that. It was kind of hilarious to be like, we're distancing ourselves from that. We're not supposed to say that, like, at all. And it was, you know, it went live first on Mormon newsroom. And I was like, this is going to be a hell of a rebrand, but all right. Literally. So... Yeah. So, um... Yeah, Mormonism is Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and it is the religion that we were both raised in. And a long, long time ago when the religion was founded, everyone who like converted moved over to Utah. They were the pioneers. A lot of them died. It was a big old thing. That's Trek. We've referenced that a couple times. We go reenact that. Which is for- weird, and I don't think we should, but... That's another story. Yeah, it just, it makes me sad. I'm like, oh man, this sucked. But anyway, a lot of the Mormons came over to Utah and kind of built everything up down here. So that's why there's this massive concentration of not just active members of the Church of Jesus Christ of the Latter-day Saints, but a lot of Mormon culture just in the whole area.
0: Right. And I've had... I didn't grow up in Utah, and so I moved here when I was in college, and a lot of—I got some of the Mormon culture things, Mm -hmm. quote-unquote, because some of it's just inescapable, but a lot of the what I feel like is very typical, um, like, stereotypical Mormonism, I didn't see nearly as much of um,
1: until I moved to Utah. Mm -hmm. So—and it's because— What I think it is, is, I don't know. This is definitely coming from an oddly biased viewpoint, but since moving to Utah, because I also didn't grow up in Utah, but I did move here a lot sooner than you did, I moved through life around here, assuming that everyone either was or is Mormon and knows what everything is. I remember in high school one time, I the student body president was talking to me because, you know, student body president, very friendly. And he said something about getting coffee. And I made a joke. I was like, ooh, word of wisdom. Because I thought he was joking. And he was like, oh, what's that? And I laughed because I was just like... (laughs)
0: I don't even know, he was,
1: he was a nice person. And so for some reason I had this like crazy, like association in my mind that it was like, you could tell people who weren't members of the church because they had a darkness or a lack of light, or they didn't have charity or kindness or something like that. And wherever that came from, it was definitely like so perpetuated that to this day, I will, I'm still taking it back when people don't know what my niche religious jokes are. Like on the podcast. No, but it's the same
0: thing with, because um, I grew up the same way, like with that same idea that mindset though, that anyone that wasn't a member of the church was probably like you could tell, like they had this darkness or yeah. whatever. And I am here to tell you that's wrong unless you've met me, in which case, yes, there's just
1: see a dark cloud of darkness here. just surrounding me at all times. Well, I hope you know I'm only friends with you so I can convert you back. So You knew it. <laughs> Well, this podcast is over. Bye. <laughs> we will be changing the name by Recent Enemies Podcast. Um, we'll be recording from different rooms. Yeah, really. <laughs> over walkie talkies, just <laughs> swearing at each other. So, I hate you, over. <laughs> <laughs> so, that is just a little brief overview of what Mormonism is. And right. And very brief, very watered down. Honestly, but we just
0: really don't want to get into it. But it's.
1: Yeah, that's basically all you would need to know to understand everything going forward. So, what do you Hopefully. feel like the most notable thing about, like, what's the weirdest thing about Mormon culture to you, besides the fact that they've branded everyone else in the world as like sad and doesn't have like well, light or happiness? That's just in their like life. a
0: weird, honestly, kind of sad thing because I feel like it's it depressing. really. Well, yeah, because it teaches you to alienate. It gives you like this complex that you're better than everyone else. And well, I that like, other people need saving. Right. And I don't love that. Yeah. Um, well, there are a lot. I do think one thing that characteristically is, and always has been kind of laughable about Mormons TM is um the fact that many get married so quickly. I'm so glad we're jumping right into this. This is all I want to talk about. And the reason for it now
1: The thing is,
0: the thing is, I got married relatively quickly. By relatively quickly, I knew Seth for a year, about a little bit over a year before we got married, Mm -hmm. which in Mormon time is a long time. Oh my goodness.
1: My favorite thing in the entire world is people who will be like, like... They'll be like, you have to date before. Like I've had conversations with people and I'll be like, me and my boyfriend have been dating for five years. And I feel like it's so important to really get to know someone. And they're like, yeah, me too. I had friends who got married in three months. I knew my husband for 10 months before we were married. And it's like, that's still a really quick. It's still quick. And it's just, it's funny. There's nothing wrong with it, but it's so quick.
0: It is. Well, um, I remember when my oldest sister got married, she knew her husband for, I want to say a little over a year before he proposed. Mm-hmm. And then they um, and then they got married three months later. So they, less than a year and a half, I think, if I have my numbers right. Um, but I remember it being, my parents being like, when are they going to get married? Yeah, like tick TikTok, tick-tock. Right. Um, and then my sister just older than me, I mean, she and her husband are a great match and they are happy together, but they, from the day they met to the day they got married was barely over six months. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was me. And so Seth and I started talking, um, late spring and then we got married late spring the next year, Mm -hmm. um, which again was fast. Yeah. And I constantly look back like, what the hell (laughs) was I doing? Like it all worked out great and things are good for us. But I also know so many people that got married super fast that things have ended horribly. And I just think, well, here's the reason, dear listener, (laughs) the one. Sex. (laughs) Oh, well, no. Okay. There's a lot we could dive into, but there's a, there's a, can I
1: just interject one thing about Mormon culture? It's not just the getting married fast. It's the getting married incredibly young that, that also is so integrated that we forget. Like I'm 21 and I feel like, you know, I was ready to be married or thought that I was ready to be married. Mentally. I was like, I am a bride now. Like somebody marry me at 18. Oh yeah.
0: Well, I mean, again, another thing that I am constantly like looking back in shock at, I was 20 when we got married, Mm -hmm. but Seth was 18. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so we were just- Which I
1: love. He just like knew what he wanted and was like, let's do this. And
0: like, and it turned out great for us again. And so I feel bad passing judgment along to others who get married so quickly. But at the same time, it it turned out well for us, but I feel like that is- In most cases, the exception, not the rule. I had a friend who, well, there is a pretty high divorce rate in Utah. Yes. Just throwing that out there. And again, I really don't want all the Mormons are going to be mad at me and be like, um, I knew my husband Chad for only six months and we're still (laughs) happy. Okay. It's only been three months. Marriage is hard. And we fight every day, but damn it, I love him, (laughs) Chad.
1: When people just constantly, constantly, constantly talk about how hard a relationship is, I'm like, "Sis, do you need some water?" Like, are you right? The thing is, marriage shouldn't be that hard. And the people
0: that I know,
1: like, life is hard, and relationships take work, but that doesn't mean that it's like a constant battle. The people, maybe the people that I know
0: more than anyone else the ones that post like relationships are so hard and marriage is so hard but it's so worth it with you baby are all Mormons yeah like nine times out of ten <laughs> it's a Mormon and it's because they got married really fast before they knew them super well and so you go through the growing pains of a relationship but you go through those growing pains in the same vicinity as them and you haven't known them long enough to know what their mom's maiden name is you can't even steal their identity yet and <laughs> <laughs> you are
1: and that, like, so appalled. Like, you can't even steal their identity. Look,
0: I couldn't even steal Seth's, though. So, who am I to talk? Because I don't remember his mother's maiden name, but I know that she was born in Maryland. So, I Got have that. that. If that's the same No security one's allowed question. to steal Seth's identity from that person. Um, no, so I feel like that really permeates the culture.
1: Yeah, it's a pretty, like, that starts out so the it's Mormon so young. culture lifestyle. And then and you have a lot of kids, yeah. and then it it repeats. Well,
0: and it's because this is, that
1: sounds so brutal and judgmental.
0: Well, it's because I saw someone on Twitter post about this the other day, and I felt like it really hit the nail on the head. Was that in the church for women, you're kind of given a you're kind of given like a quote unquote checklist mm-hmm. of your life up until ages eighteen to twenty one when you're supposed. To get married. Yeah. Um, And you know, so it goes through like ordinations and things that you're supposed to do with your life. And the second you get married, you are supposed to again, quote unquote, drop out of school and start having babies. Well, and then there is, then there is literally no direction for a woman's life after that point. And so it leaves a lot of women with children at a very young age. And, and again, I had a child very young, but it leaves a lot of women with, with, a lot of children very quickly. And they suddenly have, they don't have anything else going on in their lives. They don't have any passions. They don't have anything else that is driving them. And I know people that have gotten to a point where their kids are all out of the house. And then they're like, well, my entire life's purpose is over. Like the whole multiply and replenish the earth thing is really... I mean, it's a funny joke, but, but also a lot of people take that really seriously. And I know a lot of people think that having babies is going to be a lot more fun than it is. Mm -hmm. And so then they just get into it really young. And then all of a sudden they have a colicky baby that has blowouts every time they go out in public and doesn't want to wear their cute little outfits. And and (laughs) and it's just not as fun as people think it's going to be. And so I love my kid so much,
1: but and obviously all those moms do too it's just there. nothing about the mormon culture prepares you for prepares actual life you, after yeah. aside from being a mother well even that's the
0: only role in fact there was a i don't watch conference general conference is a is a um twice a year the leaders of the church broadcast like a bunch of talks about yeah. church um doctrine and stuff and um i don't watch it anymore but i know that last in october there was a talk by folks whom I hate, I apologize, um, who said that a woman's only role was to be a mother Mm -hmm. and was very adamant that like a woman's, a woman's divine purpose was to be a mother. And I knew a lot of people that that really bothered. Yeah. I'm included. Um, But yeah, the church doesn't really focus in my experience on any other purpose of a woman. The church doesn't really focus on any other purpose for a woman outside of being a mother in my experience.
1: Anyway, sorry that I like really just took over that and just steamrolled. No, there's honestly so much to unpack with that. And again, that gets into, I don't think there's, okay, so I don't think there's anything wrong with acknowledging like, I firmly believe that like, you know, the family is the focus of your purpose here on the earth. I'm one of those people who takes family like really seriously. Right. I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that. And I don't think there's anything wrong with saying like, you know, you should prioritize, like God wants you to prior- prioritize your family. I don't think that's what he's saying. I think if that was his point, he could have made that a lot better, um, specifically with that talk that you were talking about. Because I remember well, that you were being talking about just God. Armor. And no. I was like,
0: yeah, God, why don't you just make it a little bit more
1: clear for those of us down here? <laughs> no. Um, I feel like God has made it very clear about what those types of things are, but I think it's the culture kind of comes in where you brought up an interesting thing about how like you know a girl's life is incredibly mapped out literally right up until marriage, and I know so many girls, and also just just before I even make this point, so many girls who like now are going against the grain and pursuing their college degrees. Which is wonderful. Yes. And deciding if they want to be the stay at home parent instead of just by default doing it. I know so many incredible women doing that, but... As far as the culture goes, you go to school to find a husband. And then once you find a husband, you stop going to school. Like not even like when you have babies, like you, you find your husband. So what's the point? And like, then, you know, your husband goes and he finishes school and you typically work. And again, nothing wrong with that. If that's what you choose to do. Yeah. Like like, with Alex and I, I currently work and don't have plans to get a degree and he's working hard on his degree and we'll be that way. And So there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. It's just the fact that there is no support for anything other than that incredibly outdated way of doing things. Yeah, exactly. So that's another, that's, yeah, the huge thing with, with that.
0: Yeah. I remember being, um, in college, it was before I met Seth and talking to my mom about like college plans and stuff. And discussing different career choices with her and she i mean and it was out of a place of love but she told me that she wanted to make sure that i got a degree in case i didn't meet a husband for a while or in case something happened to something husband. happened to my husband but not because i wanted a degree or i wanted to do something with my life and have a career it was all literally hinged on my future husband whoever he is and his decisions and actions yeah and i feel like that's backwards because if you want a degree, go get it. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter if you're married or your gender or anything like, I just don't think that's just one part of the culture that really bothers me is that it discourages people from like bettering their own life for themselves.
1: Yeah. And another thing with that is just from what I've seen. And again, I think that a lot of these things were maybe a generation before us, maybe not even a full generation, but like I just know so many empowered, like, feminist members of the church who are kind of throwing that old model away. But once you once you become a mother, it's pretty universally recognized, like, that when you're a stay-at-home parent and you're hanging out with little kids all the time, that you need something to help you maintain your own personal identity. Yeah. And you know, if you were raised to never consider what your personal identity is, that is such a mind F for people because they're not like getting back to their roots and like, oh, I'm going to go paint because I know that it it's what I love. It's my passion. Or I'm going to, you know, go work part-time in this industry because I do want to be a stay-at-home mom, but I love that. And I need the adult interaction. They don't even know. And my case in point with that was, so like I said, I've, I felt like I was ready to be a bride since I was like, 17, mostly because I had a guy when I was broken up with Alex, I had a guy, I was 17 and we hadn't kissed yet. And he was like, I'm going to go get a ring. Like when you're ready, let me know because I'm going to go get a ring. And I was like, what? Anyways, I felt like I was ready to be married at like 17. And I was one of those girls who was positive that I was going to be, like, married by 18. And that didn't happen because I'm married – or sorry, not married, to Because
0: I'm (laughs) married. Surprise, bitches.
1: I am dating somebody who is a lot smarter than me and has parents who raised him to think, like, you know, for himself kind of a little bit more. Oh, that was such a – we're going to get backlash for that one. But his parents raised him to consider more than just what other people are doing. And that's the, that on that. And so we didn't end up getting married. And I just, for the longest time, I did nothing with my life. I had a good job. I just kept doing that. I kept doing that. I kept doing that. And it was constant. I was like, Alex, when are we going to get married? When are we going to get married? When are we going to get married? And, you know, we always had really constructive conversations about like, you know, like we're very, very young. We don't have anything set up. And I was like, yeah, but I'm 18. Like when are we going to get married for pretty much no reason? And so we hadn't, we had like, as I got a little bit older, I, I realized that there wasn't everything there that needed to be in order for us to move forward. And we had a really influential discussion where I had kind of put us on a time crunch and basically given us a deadline. And then Um, Alex and I had a conversation where we realized that that deadline wasn't going to work. And I had a crisis. And I literally tried to move to Costa Rica because I was like, it was like, I hadn't thought past... You know, October of last year was like the deadline. I hadn't thought past that in any capacity because it was like my only job for the first 20 years of my life in my mind was find my husband. And then after that, whatever, because eventually I'll start having babies and then that's your life and then you're dead. Like that's all I was taught and that's all that I wanted. I was never taught to consider anything else that I wanted. And I grew up really sheltered and I was homeschooled. And so that also played into like not being exposed to other things. Sorry, I completely hijacked this, but I had a full blown crisis and had started asking myself questions. I had literally never asked myself before in my life. And I was a pretty, like, I was a Freaking cool chick. I had my own business and I had like done all these fun things and these crazy things. And I'm, you know, had a million friends and like just was living this great life. And I reflected and I was like, I've never asked myself what I want ever in my life. Never considered what I would want for a career. Never considered what I would study if I did go to school. I'd never asked myself these questions. And I started to, and my entire life fell apart because I had built it around being someone's wife. And I freaking lucked out that I ended up, you know, begging someone to marry me who wanted me for more than just, you know, baby producing arm candy. Anyway, so that being said, I was one of those. That was so harsh. I was one of those people. at uh, I was just one of those people who wanted that and thought that I was going to have it and never thought to question it. And the only reason that I questioned it was because I had the right partner. And if I had been with anyone else, I don't think that I would have unless, I don't know, because it's just, it happens literally constantly. And if I hadn't been so sure that Alex was somebody I wanted to spend my life with, I probably would have just been like, all right, well, I'm going to go find somebody who will marry me. And I would have gone out and met a guy and six months later, we'd be married and I would probably be pregnant, which is completely fine. But for me, I'm really glad that this is what happened. (laughs) End of story.
0: Yeah. I feel like I could go on for days about the
1: specifically that kind of yeah specifically thing. that
0: like the way women really are young raised and quick really and all of that but
1: the more interesting side of that is people get married so quickly and specifically married is because um the religion teaches that sex is only okay within marriage and so you know a bunch of horny college age kids meet and they fall in love and the love is real and they- There's also
0: quite a bit of lust.
1: Yes, exactly. And that's good. You should definitely feel lusty after the person that you yeah, marry. You should. <laughs> you should definitely feel that way about the person that you marry, but- But it's not a reason to get
0: married. You shouldn't get married just to have sex. Yeah.
1: Well, the thing that's hard about that is <laughs> you can't start your life together until- that's unless like, are you going to move in together and like have separate twin beds? Like that's not really a realistic option or anything like yes. that. Okay. Bunk beds actually. <laughs> Bunk beds. Like, Cause you can't even, you can't even sleepwalk into the other person's bed. <laughs> sleepwalk. Right. You know, can't even tell yourself that it was sleepwalking, but yeah. So people really just. Sleep falling. <laughs> Sleep climbing downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, so that's a huge one is people. It's, and it's such a, it's so hard because that's such a normal thing to want. And when you are in love, it's such a difficult thing to like, oh, we're so close emotionally and we're spending all this time together and it's 100% biologically and hormonally and physically natural. I'm pretty sure I just repeated the same word three times biology <laughs> but anyways, um, it's completely natural and you're like, no, no, no. And you can't move forward with your life together. Until you're basically until you're having sex.
0: Right. Well, and also I feel like it's such a normal, healthy part of a relationship. Yeah. And again, I'm, I'm not saying, I mean, actually I am saying if you want to have sex with whoever you want, have sex with whoever you want. (laughs) I was going to say, I'm not saying that you should have sex with with just anyone. And then I was like, well, if you want to go,
1: go you like (laughs) do whatever you want. Be a slut.
0: Yeah. But, (laughs) um, I just feel like there's a lot of, um, I know a lot of people who have had problems with that, that they are so quote unquote shamed um, like earlier in their life to not want sex. And then as soon as they are allowed to have sex, they're like, ah, this is bad. Yeah. And I don't think we should be doing this. Yeah. And I know people that have gone months after getting married and not doing it.
1: Yeah. We're actually part of a Facebook group that was, you added me back when you were more active. Yeah,
0: back when I was a Mormy.
1: It's a great it's a it's a um a Facebook page for Mormon women who have questions about sex. Um it's a great page and like overall the atmosphere is great and the whole community is really supportive of having like active, healthy sex lives. This is just a sex podcast, BTW. I know, I was gonna
0: say could like we need a count like a clicker for how many times we say sex this episode.
1: Ooh, I like that. Hopefully like we get a really high click count on the word sex. But it's a great Facebook page and overall the the vibe is really like healthy and inclusive of like um uh monogamous like your your marriage and your sex life within your marriage. But it's really sad to see some of the things that people say and the questions that some people have about like can I send my husband like a nude picture of myself? Can I like, am I allowed to dirty talk? And it's like, literally like, yes, I'm just going to firmly say, yeah, I don't know where I heard this quote, but somebody in the church said there's no, um, oh, what was it? There's no chastity in marriage, only fidelity. And so basically if you are Mormon and you have any thoughts on that, just be loyal and have a lot of sex. And if you have negative feelings about anything we're saying, keep it to yourself. (laughs) Give us a five-star rating for trying. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. So moving past. What? You don't want to talk about sex anymore? All right. Fine. I mean, listen, I could talk about it all day. (laughs) Um, The sacred act of making love.
0: Episode 12 of my best friend's podcast, The Sacred Art of Making Love.
1: Yeah, just Kama Sutra, but in like, we're just gonna read the whole but book like, and describe it. <gasps>
0: oh, that would be so
1: funny, but also I really
0: feel like it would be uncomfortable to open up that book in front of you and be like together, like looking at cartoon images of people. Really? Having like, sex. we
1: haven't talked about everything. Yeah, but it's
0: one thing to talk about it, and it's another to look at cartoon pornographic images together.
1: I've Anyways. never picked up
0: a book. I'm assuming that's what it's like. I mean, I've never picked up a single book in my entire life. I'm You're, assuming books are just you cartoon write for a a living. graphic images. That's all books are, right? That's why I've the never looked fun. at them.
1: <laughs> oh, my gosh. This got derailed so yes. fast. We have approximately zero Mormon listeners still with yeah, us. Yeah, they're
0: like, I'm so offended. You're just <laughs> making jokes about. Anyway. <laughs> anyway we're gonna link it in the description <laughs> just kidding we no we won't. won't um and i had is this a real
1: point or are you being funny? yeah no i'm like making okay, a real joke about jello <laughs>
0: um because again it's just something that i i made a mormon joke about jello i yeah. said something like the worst part about leaving the church is the embarrassment i feel buying jello like <laughs> something like that because a pregnancy craving has been green jello wow and I know it's your very baby's specific. gonna come out a Mormon. I, if you eat green jello, your baby is gonna come out a Mormon. Science. Um, no, so I went and bought jello on Sunday and I was like embarrassed putting it on the on the little checkout thing. And I had like a few people ask, they were like, I've never been Mormon. I don't get this joke. Yeah. And I was like, oh. So this is just like a very short thing, because this isn't really like anything detrimental about. Detrimental about Mormon culture, I just think it's funny that Mormons eat a lot of jello mm-hmm. and i I made a joke to Seth, do you ever want to go to a buffet just because you know they'll have at least three different kinds of jello <laughs> and Seth was like, "I mean, you can get the same thing walking into any Mormon household and it, and it was funny, and it was also true. <sighs> Just thought we would touch on jello. What are your next thoughts, Ash?
1: Oh my goodness. There's so much to talk about. I wanna just go back and like give a little shout out to I mentioned like feminism in Mormonism. And I feel like that's literally could be its own podcast. I will not even speak on that, but I do want to shout out all of the women trying to make the whole religion a better place for active. I agree. Members. Cause
0: I feel like I obviously didn't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it's important for the people that um that are still members to make it a better place for their children or other people's yeah. children or even just themselves yeah. because they deserve to be in a, in a community where their opinion is just
1: as important as a man's opinion. Yeah, absolutely. And unfortunately that is still not there. Yeah. But, still not there, but I think it's because of powerful, incredible women that, you know, in any scenario or any organization that that will That is on the horizon. It's because they fight hard. I think one of the things that has come to just stress me out the most about Mormon culture is, how do I even phrase this? Beginning with non-members and people who have left the church and just nonstop trying to convert them and be their friend just for that, like to reconvert. Just generally having absolutely no leniency whatsoever in believing that anything other than the lifestyle that they have deemed right and true for them is the way to live life. Yeah, and this is so. I don't even know. I was hoping that this would be a little bit more of like a zesty, fun, like Mormon culture. Look at all I the know. young teen brides, and but it's now kind it's of just a, turned into. Like, a serious talk about how— Sorry. <laughs> well, it's just very sad to see—oh, man. I guess we can cut this out if this is, like, too doctriny or whatever. God has, you know, currently on this earth, 7 billion children. I very firmly believe in—like, I know what my beliefs are. I very firmly believe that we are God's children. And I also believe that he's an incredibly loving God, and I believe that— He has given us all different paths to walk and the the correct, if you are like for each individual, them leading the path that like walking the path that God actually has in store for them and wants for them and that they need for this earthly experience. I don't believe that that correct path is the Mormon church. And in the Mormon church, that is 100% taught. And I think that that is a really... Um, <clears throat> poorly distinguished line between like sharing truth and the desire to share truth and enrich one another's lives with, you know, like the promise of eternal families is a, is a belief only in, Oh my gosh, this is a hundred percent doctor. Now I guess I'll have to cut this out. I'll wrap it up. The, the belief of eternal families is really um, important in the Mormon church and is not something that's taught in most other religions, including traditional Christianity or non-denominational Christianity. Um, You know, the family unit in in heaven, like we're all families and it's like basically the way it is here on earth and marriage is incredibly important. And I think that that's an awesome thing. And that's something that we should be focusing on sharing like, hey, your baby that died, You still get to raise them like in the next life or they they're still here and you're they're still your child. That's a very important thing that we should be trying to share as opposed to you need to convert and go through the temple and be a full tithe payer and X, Y, and Z and be a Mormon because in this church we can give you this little prize and that's your eternal family. That's that's kind of what it has turned into and that's why it's so heartbreaking for people when loved ones leave the church because that's the way they're viewing it as opposed to they have their truths and I'm sure you still get to believe that and that doesn't that you don't have to be a Mormon to know that. That's a belief that you can take from that and be like I'm so glad I was taught that this is possible and that that's what God has in store for us. And I have a testimony of that, but I don't need that in that I'm still walking my path the way God wants me to in this way. Um I feel
0: like when we originally talked about doing this episode, I had so many like zesty Mormon
1: culture takes. And then it's as such soon as we started topic,
0: talking about it, I literally forgot every single
1: one. My thing is, it's hard to make jokes about something like in my in my daily life like totally but when i think about it it's there's a lot happening in the church and it's it has a lot of weight and i'm in it but not the same way that I used to be. And you so mean I'm you're in the world, but not of the world. I'm in the church, but not of the church. <laughs> no, but it's something like I'm, this is like absolutely horrible to some people, but like I'm perfectly comfortable with talking about how like we need to change the temple recommended interview process. We need to change all bishop interview processes. Hell we yeah. need more women leaders in the church with way more gravity. And that's hard to talk about with like, oh, haha, they just like, don't think women are people. Like that's it's hard to make like little fun jokes about that because it's true. Yeah, yeah, and they're women that you love, and like I am one of those. And it's like a woman that you love. I'm I am a woman that I love tender. Everything comes back to self love, you guys. Um, one thing that don't forget it, to wash your face. <laughs> one thing. Oh my gosh. Okay. One me. thing we haven't talked about though is the amount of babies that people have. We've touched on it briefly, but Mormons tend to have. So many babies, very big families. And the thing that confounds me the most is basically across the board, members of the church are pro life in the sense that they do not believe that, you know, like having an abortion is a woman's choice. They believe that it's it's infringing on the rights of the the baby and the fetus. And so they're they're pro life. But what I don't understand is they're also like really generally like anti birth control, control and anti sex education. That's the most mind-blowing thing to me at all. It really is. I Well, oh, another thing before, just before I forget, people will like not even get on any kind of birth control until like two days before their wedding. And so they're like broken out on their wedding day. I've seen that like so many times to talk to so many people. They're like, oh yeah, I got an i u d three days before my wedding, and so I was in like pain first all day. of all, girl, yeah <laughs>
0: well, my favorite is when they don't understand how sex works, and so, well, no, that's not my favorite. <laughs> I hope you know how sex works when you get married. um, please, for the love of God, know how <laughs> sex works. um no, they don't fully understand that, like, not the anatomy, no, that's not at all what I'm trying to say. They don't understand that for sure, but <laughs> they don't understand like unprotected sex in most cases will lead to pregnancy. And so I know so many people that get married and on their wedding day, it's kind of like a Mormon, not a Mormon joke, but just almost every single Mormon wedding I've been to, because there's all this weight on like, this is the first time you get to have sex. Oh my gosh. I hate that about Mormon weddings. People will be like, tonight's the night. I know what you're doing." doing. It's so uncomfortable and awkward. Seth and I did not get married in the temple. We had already had sex when we got married, but we still got that like crazy. Everyone was like, I know what you guys are doing tonight. I'm like, well, yes, obviously everyone when they get married is going to go home and bone and they should. That's their right. Yeah. But also you shouldn't put all this awkward pressure on it because then- You're having sex for the first time and you don't know what you're doing, and you're just like, Well, here we are in our underwear. I guess you can put it in
1: me. And okay, (laughs) I think that it should be encouraged by not by church authority or anything like that, because that is not their place, but just among people who decide to wait for marriage. Holy crap. Don't just be like, Tonight's the night that we go P and V. Just maybe like undershirt, over bra, little bit of like whatever you're conking. Just You don't have to go
0: whole hog. Unless you want to. (laughs) Yeah. But there's this whole... um, I have known so many people who on their wedding day, you know, someone will joke like, you know, so you're doing it tonight. And they will tell us that they do not have any birth control like plans. And that I one time... I try really hard not to pass judgment on stuff like that. But there was a couple... A friend of Seth's who got married... And on their wedding day, you know, we're all hanging out with them. And someone at the reception asked, you know, like, I think they asked, like, as a joke, like, do you guys need any condoms? And the bride straight up said, no, we're not going to use any birth control. We're just going to let God decide what happens.
1: <gasps> and God I will was like, decide that you'll probably get pregnant. And I was like, this
0: isn't God's decision here. This is literally anatomy. If, <laughs> if the sex happens successfully, and you don't have fertility issues, you are going to get pregnant. That is just literal science. Yeah. And so I know so many people who have gotten pregnant on their honeymoon, and it makes me sad for them just because you don't get any time with your husband as just your spouse. Well, especially
1: if you compound it with the fact that there's a good chance they haven't even known each other for a year.
0: Exactly. So it's like you take – it's just a bad combination. We're just back on the same topic at the beginning. (laughs) Anyway, so that's a – fun one. Yeah. Um, also I was talking to some of my coworkers at work yesterday and I mentioned I have only ever come across this at Mormon weddings and I mentioned it and all my coworkers were like, that is not a Mormon thing. So I guess I'll just say it, but at my wedding and both of my older sister's weddings and at a lot of Mormon weddings, I've granted only been to a very few non Mormon weddings, but at Probably every single Mormon wedding except one. They did something called the Mexican
1: dollar dance. I don't know if you know what that is. So I've only briefly heard of it because my roommate is marrying a Mexican and she told me about it. Yeah. So I don't know if it's actually a Mexican thing. I don't think it is particularly Mexican thing, but she said they did it back east where she's from and that she was excited because she happens to marry somebody out from outside the little Utah bubble. So Oh, well, see, I grew up in New Mexico, and so I
0: was like, oh, it's like a – not that anyone in my family is anything but super white, so it sounds (laughs) racist being like a Mexican dollar dance because it probably is racist. Um, (laughs) But basically the concept of it is – The bride and groom go into the middle of the room and people come up to them and pin money onto their clothes in order to dance with them. So it's just prostitution. Um, Yeah.
1: I think that actually is a Mexican thing though. Like a Mexican tradition. Yeah.
0: I have no idea. Anyway.
1: It's probably called something other than Mexican dollar dance in Mexico.
0: (laughs) Anyway. I mean, we got like 300 bucks out of it. It was great. But um, I've only seen that at Mormon weddings and I've seen it at a lot of Mormon weddings in the last few years. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like it's so awkward. I mean, it is so awkward. And then everyone's like, let me take pictures of you with all this money on you. And it's like, it's super weird and uncomfortable. (laughs) I mean, I got 300 bucks out of it, so I guess I'm not one to knock on it. But anyway, I mentioned it to my coworkers yesterday and they were like, that is not a Mormon thing. It's
1: definitely not around here. I've never actually seen that happen in person. I barely found out about it like a week ago.
0: Well, then I'm glad because it's such an awkward tradition. Yeah, it must just be like. I feel like it's just catching on, and I wish it wouldn't because. Yeah. yeah.
1: Anyway, I'll just have a big bowl, and it will say, "Please deposit money." (laughs) That will be the theme of my wedding: is give me money. I mean, my favorite part. My favorite part of cultural or of uh, Mormon culture is. Cultural hall weddings, a lot of people have. The church will let you have your wedding in the church for free. Well, and it's free. free. Yeah. yeah. So
0: they'll let you, you can't um, do... Uh,
1: well, the ceremony?
0: You, well, no, you can. So if you... could? You, yeah, yeah. So if you are not doing a temple wedding, you can get married in the temple. I mean, sorry. The you
1: church. You can get married in the
0: church. They won't let you exchange vows, though. So they'll do the ceremony. The bishop will, like, say his whole thing... And as someone who I got married by a bishop, not in a chapel, but I got married by a bishop outside of the temple. Mm -hmm. And the entire thing that they're going to tell you is just to make sure that you go to the temple
1: in a year. So I went to, I've only been to one wedding where it was like, they were like, we're going to get sealed in the future. And they actually got divorced. But the whole ceremony, I was so sad. The whole ceremony was them talking, like no mention of anything that they were promising now, just... Do you promise to go to the temple? Yes, you promise to go to the temple? Yes, okay, by the power of us and me, your husband and wife. I was yeah. like, this is sad. It is sad because
0: they don't focus enough on that and they focus a lot on... Um, Did you exchange vows? No, because my parents didn't want us to because we weren't getting married in the temple and they were like, none of us got to exchange vows, so you shouldn't. Anyway. Um, the vow renewal, 13 years. I know. So I actually wrote out vows to Seth and surprised them to with it, like <gasps> surprised him with them on the wedding day like... Oh, beforehand and was like I, I wrote that. you some vows and it was like I promise that I won't ever make fun of you for getting girly drinks from Starbucks but spoiler I do <laughs> so I broke all my vows. Um no but I honestly don't remember them because we didn't really share them and I wrote them out the day of the wedding. So yeah. we weren't like um you know I just was like I want to do something, you know, because we're not supposed to do this. It's just God weird that people want it to be like, I feel like a wedding should not be focused on God. I think it should be focused on the couple that's getting married. Sue me. Don't sue me. That would be mean. Yeah, really. Um, <laughs> but I feel like in a lot of weddings, especially Mormon weddings that are not in the temple, there is such a heavy like emphasis on God is still in this relationship. And so we're not going to let you forget it.
1: Yeah, that's another thing is I would love to see it be a thing where eight is the age where you start talking to kids more seriously about how they're feeling and if they would like to be baptized because it's just a given and then there's a big party afterward and it's like you're eight years old, you get a ton of attention and presents and a party afterward. Like, Why wouldn't you want to go get baptized? Hell yeah, I'll get baptized.
0: It's the only religion that I know of that they don't really have a lot of education before a baptism.
1: Well, yeah. Cause it's either like Catholicism. Like I think that's the one where they like baptize babies. Um, yes. or,
0: but that doesn't really, but that doesn't hold the same value yeah. it does in the, in the LDS yeah. church. I have a friend who grew up Catholic and they do, um, I think it's confirmation. Yeah. And she did it when she was like 16 Yeah, and there were classes and like all of this stuff. Leading up to it to make sure that was a decision they wanted to do. Well, yeah, kind of like confirmed and given their Catholic name and all of that stuff. And that makes sense. And I feel like there isn't really, there definitely isn't something like that for baptism. Yeah. And there isn't really something like that for temple. There are temple prep classes, but they won't tell
1: you enough about what
0: happens at the temple for you to actually be prepared. Oh my
1: gosh, I'm so glad you said that because that reminds me like I would have been beating myself up if we didn't talk about this. I had the most life changing conversation with a friend the other day because. Wow. I wow. Uh, I'm sorry. I made another <laughs> friend. It was at work, though, in my defense. all right. well, that she's fair. incredible. She teaches the Institute Temple Prep class, and she just generally feels very strongly that people, out of respect, don't talk about things in the church or in the temple specifically and about the process that are okay to talk about. And I won't go into any detail here because I haven't been through the temple, and I would really hate if I said anything that I'm not supposed to. And I think, I think really what matters is the tone and like, you know, I just hate that there's anything you're not supposed to talk about. Well, Yeah. And like, it's the whole thing is that there are things that are sacred and I I can understand the gravity of that. And I can understand not saying like, I know that there are specific like phrases or words or things that you do that you're not supposed to reenact or say. And I think that that's like, that's a hundred percent understandable. But this friend that I was talking to made the most incredible point. She was talking all about how there doesn't need, people just don't know what they can and can't talk about. So they don't talk about any of it. And that's why people will go through the temple and just be freaked out. And it's like this freaky experience. I assume I haven't been through, maybe maybe everybody shouldn't be talking about this, but that's another thing is that people just don't talk. Like it's so important to go to the temple in, in the religion and nobody talks about like anything other than that. It's literally just like, here's your little like special pass to get in. Like now go and behold all the secrets when a lot of it isn't a secret. It's just.
0: And it honestly just freaks you out. You don't know what's going on. Yeah. And there are so many things that just contradicted things that I had been told growing up. And it just was a really, I left the church immediately after going to the temple Oof. and being honest <laughs> because it was a really uncomfortable experience for me. And it. um I mean, this isn't a podcast episode about why I left the church, but, um, yeah, that's something that really bothers me. There's just not enough conversation about the things that you're committing yourself to. They give you a chance in the temple before anything happens to walk out, like, and be like, if you're not ready to make these commitments, don't make them, which is good and valuable, but it's before they've explained anything before anything starts. And so it feels like if you did want to walk out if you wanted to by the time you wanted to it would be too late if that yeah. makes sense and that's uncomfortable but again i'm not trying to get anyone who's an active member of the church you know mad at me so yeah
1: well i would just think that maybe the solution to that was i think there are, she my my friend told me a lot of things that a lot of things like it makes it sound like she told me secrets she didn't she just explained things that I she don't perfectly do should be secrets well yeah she just explained like the process of things and it for the first time in my life I've never gone to the temple for the first time in my life it felt like something that I was maybe like could wrap my mind around doing as opposed to like I've been terrified quite frankly because I don't want to like I would rather never go through the temple and still like like my religion than go through and be like hard pass. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just where I'm at right now, but now this is bordering on doctrine again. So we'll just save this for another day, but are there any other fun Mormon tidbits you can think of right now besides? Honestly, all of my jokes
0: just have to do with like getting married. Yeah. Well, one thing I think is funny, um, is the whole idea. And I can say this because I was one. Yeah. The whole idea of missionary girlfriends. (gasps) Yes. So in the church, young men and women, um, well they're (laughs) given the option to go on a mission for, if you're not married by 19, I guess you could go (laughs) if that even happens. So for men, it's kind of required. People will say it's not required, but if you don't go you get like
1: ostracized. Yeah, so a hundred percent. So and it's like you this are, this are not big husband material uh-uh. anymore.
0: So, um, and girls, it's more optional. But lately, a lot of people are like expecting girls to go on yeah. missions, and it's anyway. That's another thing. But, um, so when Seth and I were dating, he did go on a mission, and I was a missionary girlfriend for a very short period of two months, <laughs> and he came home because. We had – he touched my boobs before he left on his mission. and How dare? He told his mission president, and his mission president was really creepy and made him relay intimate details about our relationship and then told him that he had to go home immediately. Um, Yeah. So Uh, it was really uncomfortable when Seth told me all the questions that the guy asked him. I was like – Because I had to go tell my bishop the same thing, and he did not ask me any of those questions because he was a good bishop who was a freaking pedophile. Right. So, anyway, not that all bishops are pedophiles. Sorry for any bishops out there that are listening, but just
1: don't be a pedophile, okay? And then I won't be talking about you. Um, (laughs) If the shoe fits, it really probably shouldn't freaking fit. Please go talk to the police. (laughs) Yeah, literally. (laughs) Um,
0: No, so Missionary Girlfriends is a, a culture of its own it's so wild. You don't get to talk to your boyfriend for two years and you, I mean, they just changed things so you can call your family every week. It used to literally be emails for like an hour once a week. And that's it. That's the Well, I found out that you're not even
1: supposed to like, I am during that hour. Like if your family yeah. knows that you're on that hour, it's like a one, like Email, back, and you're not supposed to back and forth correspondence. Yeah. Just Seth the got one. in trouble
0: because we emailed back and forth and he Seth used to have really bad separation anxiety. And so he ended up like breaking down and sobbing to his companion and was like, I am struggling so hard to be here. Yeah. Like I get an hour once a week to communicate with my family and my girlfriend who is an important person in my life. Totally. And you were planning on waiting. Right. I was waiting. And like we were planning to get married. And so it was like, what harm is it going to do? Like literally no harm. Anyway, they changed the rules. Very recently. And I'm so happy for Me all the missionaries too. out there and their families. But, um. I feel like it will make the transition so much easier. Right. Well, a lot of people come back with really severe mental health problems because they've been isolated for so long and. Yeah. It messes you up. But, um. Not that missions are bad.
1: Not So that. many disclaimers. I love the church and that's, yeah, just in case you're by this point thinking I want to punch I don't. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um. I kid. Well, I don't kid. Anyway. Um. No, I mean, I really think if you are offended by this episode, I'm sorry, but yeah. we're not trying to be offensive. We're, we're providing a commentary on aspects of the culture that we find
1: humorous and you got to laugh so you don't cry. So really though, um, or in my case, just kind of cry this, I, w- I have not made the hilarious jokes I anticipated. I was like, I know, be so funny. I know when we talked about
0: doing this episode, I was like, this is going to be hilarious.
1: <laughs> and yet here we are just
0: debating whether or not people should have birth control before they get married. Yeah. Yes. yes. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no. So it's this whole, like I was in like half a dozen Facebook groups that were dedicated to missionary girlfriends and we would have meetups and talk all about how to create the best care packages for your boyfriend and like how to, I mean, that was the fun part of it was tender. I sent Seth, he was gone for two months. I probably sent him at least six packages. (laughs) I sent him like a breakfast themed one and I would like paint the inside of the boxes. Wait, where did he go? Um, upstate New York. Sweet well I, he went in the middle of the winter he, not it was like sweet. 4 feet. Would, one day it got to negative 40 degrees yeah very and cool. he
1: is a skinny man he i'm skinny, shocked he survived skinny boy
0: um yeah so i would make a lot of care packages and that was fun i you know just things to fill the time honestly anytime i was sad i would just like go buy stuff for him i spent so much money on sending him shit when we were um when he was on his mission but it's this whole thing and it's so funny but I mean, it's so hard, but, um, I know so many people that have gone into very successful relationships with their yeah people that were out for the entire two years. Um, I have a friend, Missy, who's, she met her husband in high school and they dated all through high school. Um, I don't know when in high school they started dating, but they met in middle school and they started dating sometime in high school. He went on his mission, he was gone the entire two years. he came back, they dated, then they got engaged. They have a little girl now she's so cute, yeah, but she's adorable um so it definitely works for some people, but it also is funny because I have known some girls that are like they call themselves missionary collectors, and they will just write missionaries because they think it's fun and
1: they so low commitment you just get this guy who like you're literally the only girl in the universe to them and right. you're just writing them and they're like i can't wait to make well, you my eternal companion and, and you're she's at like, home yeah, like all yeah. right
0: well i knew this girl who when i joined the group was writing a guy he came home from his mission she decided things weren't going to work out she started writing another missionary immediately he came home she decided things weren't going to work out she started writing another missionary i was like girl can you find guys that are like <laughs> not supposed to wear a suit and tie every day. Like
1: (laughs) that you can talk to more than once a week. Yeah. I just feel
0: like, I mean, for some people, maybe that's,
1: I just can't relate. You know what? I had a girl or a friend who, okay, actually, let me just say, I think like, if you truly have found the one, and I don't really even think that there's a way to determine at that point, if you Mm -hmm. have like, you're just hoping at that point. You're hoping. And like, I don't know. I won't say whether or not you've gotten some kind of confirmation or like you literally have stumbled upon your actual soulmate, but I lived with a girl who had a missionary and they had been dating all through high school. He was out for like a year. He came back. She still was with him, dated only him. He went back out and she was waiting. So she was waiting for like three years and he was still like 10 months from being done with his mission. And she was, it was absolutely depressing. She was so miserable. She cried constantly and there was so so much pressure. And she was so ridiculously, incredibly lonely and couldn't feel like she couldn't, she didn't want to go make friends with a bunch of girls because they're, you know, like other single girls are dating. She couldn't go make friends with guys. She couldn't date. She wasn't going to parties. Like it was like all of the commitment of having your boyfriend there, but you'd never get to spend time with your boyfriend. And it was so sad. And she ended up meeting a guy. She, I mean, I'm sure like they're, they're married. They're very happy, but she married the first guy she went on another date with. And like the whole situation was just really like, I don't know. Anyways, it was just a a, hard situation. It was a ridiculously hard situation. And I'm really happy that she found that I'm really happy she married the guy she married and not the missionary because the missionary was. (laughs) One time I sent him an email. I was so mad. He had done something so mean to her on his mission. And so I... I think I like pretended to, I think I took a screenshot because I was going to send him an email that said like, dear elder fart face. And I t- took a screenshot and sent it to her to be like, ha And then I think I actually sent him an email that just said, dear elder fart face. Anyway, I did not like him. So I'm glad that she ended up with the guy that she ended up with, but it was this massive traumatic thing where she had like previously been going over to his family's house and like was so close with his, his family. It got even closer with this family, had to tell Hit, like she the missionary, the family. entire family basically, like in Mormon terms, disgrace herself just to go date this other guy, and like then they didn't get married in the temple, and so everyone was like, "Okay." Like she became this like scarlet woman when in reality that's just not a healthy. Well, this re- thing, put yourself the in. reality
0: of it is your relationship ends because things weren't working out, and then you married somebody else. Yes. And I used to be like, I'm so sad when people stop waiting for their missionary and marry someone that they just met. And I mean, I think in some cases people do that just in the sense that they're like, they're lonely. And it honestly, in most cases is like their missionaries coming home in a few months, but they just are, you know, I mean, but the thing is, if you meet the right person, I mean, again, you've only known them for three months, but I I
1: mean, I believe that, that can right, happen. I believe that it
0: can happen. Um, that actually kind of happened to my sister. I remembered the other night, my sister Rachel wrote a missionary for a year and a half. Oh, wow. And the only reason she stopped was because he asked her to stop writing him <gasps> um because he was like I really need to just focus and like you're distracting me kind of. But
1: Oh, was, wow. During left, the last 6 months, man, that's yeah. the time to start thinking about like what
0: have I missed? Yeah, so um I mean, obviously their relationship wasn't meant to be. Um but they dated for not super long before he left, but she'd had like some not so great relationships before him. And so even though their relationship wasn't the best, she was like, had it idolized in her mind. Like he's yeah. perfect
1: and great for And then for he me. leaves for a year and a half. So it's like. Right. So
0: he leaves and they decided that she wasn't going to wait. So she was still going on dates with other guys yeah. and like kissing other guys. But she was like Waiting. in her mind, like completely dedicated to this boy. And then six months before he got home, he told her like, I know you're not fully waiting for me. Please don't, please feel free to not con- like, don't wait for me. Like, it's not fair of me to do this to you, but I'm doing this because I need to focus. And um, during that six months, uh, I want to say like two months before her, like he got home, she met the guy that she ended up marrying. Ooh. But I, but that was a totally different situation yeah. because he wrote her off. She already wasn't technically waiting. Yeah. Um. And
1: and then She's she met the guy. the guy, yeah, right. and they're so very her happy, So her situation is totally
0: different, but I had completely forgotten that she wrote a missionary for longer than I did, and yet it's a core part of my identity.
1: Yeah, really. Well, it's because it was the right guy for you, but I had a I had a guy who went on a mission and— we had left and I was really not feeling it at the time that he left, but I was like, not going to be like, you know, I I tried to let him down easy. And I, I gave him the whole thing. Like if I'm still single when you're back, like, you know, but I never said I was going to wait or anything like that. Like we were clear and he didn't even want me to, he never even asked me to, but he told his whole family that I like had sworn I was waiting and that we were basically, I think he even said something along the lines of like, not a promise ring, but he gave me like a promise necklace. Like he told his whole family this. And so Alex and I got together like two months later, we got back together. I should say, we got back together like two months later. And because we weren't waiting, like, because I wasn't dating this other guy, I didn't tell him. I just wasn't writing him anymore. And I I don't think I ever really was. Um, I didn't tell his family or anything. And then his dad texted me and was like, you need to be, you need to be up front with this guy. Cause you are cheating on him. And we all know. And I was like, holy shit. And like, was like, like being like, you're basically a whore. And I was like, great. So I went to like email the missionary and be like, what the hell? And he was like, and the the dad was like, if you don't, like, I'll give you a week and you can tell him or I will tell him. And I was like, okay. So I immediately emailed the missionary and was like, what the hell did you tell your family that we were getting married? And then he was like, I know you're seeing Alex. And I was like, yeah, I love Alex. I was in love with Alex the entire time we were dating. You knew that. I told you that all the time. Like, he, anyway, that's the whole story. No,
0: that's really funny. We-
1: Mormons be crazy. The end. Obviously. Okay. Well, I'm... I, unless you have any other, like, final thoughts. I
0: really don't. I feel like it's...
1: I am so sorry to listeners and my amazing co-host that that was, like, not hysterical.
0: I also apologize. (laughs) I genuinely, when we planned on doing this, was like, this is going to be a funny, quirky episode where we just, like, have some laughs. Yeah. And it turned into, I hope you laughed.
1: Yeah. I think, I mean, we had some funny little bits there, but I think just because I... Yeah, we are coming from different places with it, so it's not like... Right, so it's a little bit
0: different because it's like... I'm
1: proud of us that
0: our friendship is so strong, even though... Even though I'm an apostate and you're not?
1: I mean, I pray for you every single night, but... <laughs> Just kidding, I really you don't. Do come
0: back to the fold.
1: No. Stay I- outside the fold. You're more fun. Just kidding. Oh, that was so mean, <laughs> I am, though.
0: I am. Where's the lie? <sighs> anyway, I think that about wraps it up, so...
1: I almost said, that's what we said.
0: And that's what we said. Bye. No, no. Love them though.
1: Really. But anyway, um, we love you. We love you. Don't forget to
0: follow us on Instagram.
1: Oh yeah. Oh, we're gonna be doing a giveaway. I feel oh, confident yeah. in saying that. So we are gonna be hosting a giveaway. So if you're follow listening us. to that, yeah, and like tag your friends because we want more best friends. Okay, we love you. Good night. Good night.